Hello everybody, welcome back to the Salmon Trout Steelheader Podcast. I'm in the building, the Lamaglass building, with Roger Hinchcliffe, a native of Michigan State and the creator of Steelhead Manifesto. If you haven't checked out Steelhead Manifesto, go look for him on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Roger, it is good to have you here today. Oh, thanks for having me. Always glad to be here. So, Roger, one of my favorite things to do when I meet up with you is talk steelhead. Because, out of all the people I know, you're probably the nerdiest when it comes to steelhead. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I got a problem. I, uh, I, when I, I just love the fish, and I feel like the devil's in the details uh, on everything, from the biology of the fish to presentation and uh, I'm just passionate about it, and I'm thankful that you think that. So, well, let's let's just kind of run through a couple questions I have, and one of them we've discussed before, but I'd like to I'd like to kind of get an overview of what you think on this. Let's mm-hmm. talk West Coast steelhead and Great Lakes steelhead. Can you talk a little bit about the differences and similarities that you see? Oh man, well, I mean. Uh, they can be difficult to catch <laughs> out where I'm from, especially in the winter time when the water temps get so cold. And I think we touched on it the last time. I think your fish are a little bit easier to catch because your water temps don't get down to 33 degrees. You know, I mean, you might get 38 degree water. You know, but um, but for the most part, um, you guys use um, larger stuff meaning larger floats and bigger leader because you have bigger fish Um, now we have certain areas where we can get a steelhead up to 20 pounds um, and you know which requires a little bit bigger gear but for the most part you know we're talking our average fish is it depends on where you're at but five to ten pounds you know so yeah so what about um the look of those fish you see kind of differences in how they look believe it or not um they're very similar the only difference that i see like physically if that's what you're asking is in the tail Hmm. um my god the tails of these fish they got big rudders you know are are you saying the west coast fish have bigger rudders the, the west coast fish no doubt about it because I've caught some some big fish out here, and my God, you can barely you know get your hand around the tail. So, if you were to fish Great Lakes steelhead, uh, is it something that if you were able to drive far enough, is it a year-round fishery? Would you say we do have a year-round fishery? We absolutely do. We have summer run fish. Um, you know, very few rivers get the summer runs, but theoretically, if you wanted to, you could fish for steelhead all year. So now what about speed? What kind of speeds does steelhead have? What are we talking? Well, steelhead, <laughs> they can move very, very fast. Actually, they're the fastest freshwater fish on planet Earth. Um, on average, they can move 26 feet a second. Some people say 35 feet. But, uh, you know, that's what makes them so special. When they want to uh, put the gas on, man, you better, you better be ready. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's a memorable time when people get that first run from a steelhead after they Yeah, you'll never forget your first steelhead. That's I know I didn't. 
So I certainly don't either. So what about eyesight? What do you think about a steelhead's eyesight? Well, steelhead can actually see pretty good. Um, they can see 24 different colors. They can see just as well as you and I can. Uh, the issue is depth perception is where you really got them uh, when it comes to that. And then, um, you know, because of the location of where their eyes are, you know, mm -hmm. on the side. Uh, but they have really good eyesight. Uh, I think the last time we we did a podcast, um, I think you called it what I said, the Steelhead Don't Wear Sunglasses. Yes, that's the episode. Check it out, guys, if you haven't. Steelhead Don't Wear Sunglasses. Yeah, that's yeah. pretty funny. I, I often say that in my seminars. Um, but, yeah, no, they can see pretty good. I think where anglers um, really miss the boat, you got to help the steelhead help you. And uh, that was the, the meat and potatoes of that one, uh, that podcast. What do you mean by that, help the steelhead help you? Well, help them see the bait. Um, mm -hmm. Because you got to remember, they're used to cold, dark, deep water, mm -hmm. whether they're in the ocean or whether they're in the Great Lakes. Uh, the average river uh, where I'm from is four to eight feet. Mm -hmm. And so when you have rivers that are shallow like that, you have a lot of light penetration. And um, sometimes when it's really bright out, that's why that larger profile works so well mm -hmm. is, um, you know, so, so the fish can see it. And that's why I think you guys fish giant beads out here. Mm -hmm. Those huge beads, I mean, the fish can see the profile. I mean, your water is so clear. See, our water has a lot of the tannic in it. And the easiest way I can explain it to people is with a tea bag. Mm -hmm. If you take a tea bag and you start dunking it in the water, the water starts to change color. Well, that's what happens with us because we have all the, the forest floor and the litter of all the leaves. It changes our water. You know, so by being uh, maybe so there's less visibility in tannic water. Yes, well, especially on a bright, sunshiny day, you know. But yet, you guys are using these smaller presentations. Well, when we use the smaller presentations, that's especially during the winter mm -hmm. uh, when the water gets so cold, their metabolism slows to absolute nothing. I mean. In our rivers, you can get within two feet of a steelhead in a river before they'll take off because they're so cold and so lethargic, right? They're you just, mean you could, as, as far as you as a human walking can get close? Yeah, if you were waiting, I've gotten within two feet of a steelhead before they'll take off in the winter. Really? Yep. So um, would you say they're now... Can you get close and still get them to bite, or or is that just kind of in general well, lethargic? Well, I wouldn't say that. I mean, if you spook the fish, mm -hmm. you know, you got to let the fish get back, you know, resting and calm down. I mean, they're just like any other species, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. They don't want to get eaten. <laughs> so how careful do you need to be on those Great Lakes streams about spooking them? Well, you do got to be careful. And I talk about it in my seminars. A lot of guys that are waiting, they're walking along the river trail. And the first thing they do is just step right into the river. Yeah. And I tell people, slow your roll, sit down, take a chill, and watch that water. And see if you see fish moving, porpoising jockeying around um, before you get into the water. 
It's a lot of great holding water for fish or could be a travel lane is right next to the bank. So, mm-hmm. you know. Now, do you think a steelhead can hear activity like walking around? Is there anything? Well, they to can that? hear, they can feel the vibrations just like any other fish, you know. Is that something, do you ever take into consideration quieting down around steelhead or? Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm not screaming when I'm out there fishing, <laughs> but we certainly might be hooting and hollering, especially if a big, big fish hits the net. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think really uh, what I try to do is when I'm like, if I'm in my jet sled and I'm fishing, one of the things I try not to do and I try to tell people is stop doing the hero drifts. When you're in that run, you're going to get down there, right? You'll eventually cover that water. Mm -hmm. But just slow your roll, pick the water apart. Um, Me personally, what I do is I try to take... Uh, three to four different rods with different types of presentations, be it a bead, be it a spawn bag, uh, be it a jig under a float um, or a spinner. You know, I'll try to pick off all your high metabolism willful biter fish first. And then once I'm comfortable, I've covered all of that. Then I'll put the plug rods out, the wall of death, the curtain of death, and try to finish going down that run and force the rest of the fish to to uh to bite mm-hmm. you know where most guys in their boat they've got one float rod or two float rods i've got eight rods mm-hmm. you know so what is it about those winter fish when they are so lethargic and those water temperatures are down to 34 and 33 what's your method of attack as far as lures and kind of your presentations what are you doing to try to get those lazy fish to bite it's going to be a jig Hands down. Okay. A jig is king, in my opinion, Yeah. in that cold water. Now, don't get me wrong. A, a lot of people, uh, you know, I still throw spinners in that cold water. Really? Absolutely. And I use a, a, a minimum of a number four, but a lot of times a number five silver blade to wake those lethargic fish up. Um, but a jig, hands down. And the reason why I say a jig is... Number one, a fish is eight inches off the bottom. That's where they're at, okay? Um, Again, we're in four to eight foot rivers. You know, they're not very deep. Those fish are near the bottom. They're trying to conserve energy. They're just chilling. And what I try to do is I run that jig under a float and I'm gonna be 10 to 12 inches max off the bottom. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of, you know, there's some guys that say that steelhead don't feed up like salmon. It's all horse pucky. I mean, these hatchery fish are fed dog pellets, right? They mm-hmm. most certainly do feed up. But what I try to do by running that jig that close to the bottom, right, is if that fish is sitting in the current, they only got to lift up two inches to suck that jig in, mm-hmm. right? And so, in my opinion, a jig, and I use really small jigs. Like, we even go down to a size 10 so, uh, hook. Okay, size 10 hook, and then what, what 132nd else? 132nd ounce. 132nd. We even go down to 164th ounce. Okay, and what kind of materials do you like for your jigs? Um, I'm a huge fan of marabou. Okay. Uh, marabou jigs, uh, rabbit jigs are always good. But we also use what's called like a pill jig 
you know, um, where it's just the painted lead head mm-hmm. shaped like a pill, and we'll tip it with like um, like uh, a Berkeley product, like mm-hmm. the honey worms, or we'll take um, little wax worms. Yeah, I hear a and, lot about those. And just put the wax worms on there just to add a little scent to the game. So do you, um, when it comes to those summer run skimania fish, which mm-hmm. you do fish for those as well. I do. Now with temperatures being higher during those times, I would assume, does it become more similar to West Coast fishing? It does. They can be really easy to catch, and they can be difficult to catch depending on how high the water temperature gets. Um, one thing is with the summer scamanias, because the river temps get kind of high, uh, those are the fish. Rather than me stay there and just beat on them all day, mm-hmm. I will catch my limit for the smoker mm-hmm. and, and leave. I'm yeah. done. And I put them on ice and take them home and smoke them up. Yeah. You know. And that's all a hatchery run, essentially. Those are all hatchery yeah. run, yeah. We do have, there's um, a lot of natural reproduction that our uh, DNR has discovered in many of the rivers, the hatchery fish are now naturally reproducing. But that would be more the fall, winter, That would spring. be the fall run, yeah. Yeah. But okay. there is some natural reproduction going on with scams. Because, really? Yeah, because we've caught we've caught them that's really cool because definitely around here a summer steelhead takes a different kind of habitat in order in order to do that is that happening in higher elevation rivers or no what it is is it just depends on the body of water and if they've got some nice creeks Mm -hmm. uh, and the right temperature the right habitat to let those fish survive Um, you know truthfully our summer run fish there's not very many places to catch them yeah um and i wish we stocked more of those um you know in the entire great lakes region but we don't i i ask for them all the time but you don't get what you ask for Mm -hmm. all the time yeah but um for the most part um fall through the spring uh fishing is really really good super good so tell me a little bit about um, colors. What, when it comes to jigs and beads and maybe plugs, can you give us some insight into the type of water you're fishing and the colors that correspond with those? Well, I'm a big fan of natural neutral colors such as olive, white, and black. Um, but I think one of what water conditions do you like to fish those? Um, that would be in the winter, low clear water. Mm-hmm. Right, because in our winters the water is low and it's super, super, super clear. Yeah. But um, you know, obviously, if you were to try to ask me what my favorite color is, I would probably have to tell you pink. Mm-hmm. And the reason why uh, pink works so well on all steelhead is due to wind ripple or water ripple. Um, a river is a moving place; the water is moving. And so because the water's moving, the light is, when it, it penetrates, it's being refracted everywhere. So those fluorescent colors uh, really work well on steelhead. It goes back to what I said, help the fish help you. Help them see it and find it. You know, So color and contrast is, is super important in steelhead world. Yeah. Now so. what are these Great Lakes steelhead feeding on out in the lake? 
Well, their their diet is super diverse. I mean, they've got smelt, they've got L-wives, um, we've got bloaters, we've got the, uh, um, you know, the bug hatches, and they eat bugs. We have freshwater shrimp. I mean, when they get into the river, um, especially during the drop back phase when the fish have already spawned and their metabolism is switched back on and it's time to feed like no tomorrow, um, I, I've caught steelhead on crayfish, you okay. know, worms, yeah. night crawlers. Yeah. I mean, night crawlers for steelhead is so underutilized. Guys are like, oh, it's got to be an egg. It's mm-hmm. got to be a spawn bag. And listen, during that drop bag phase in the spring, you got to remember them fish, you know, stayed all winter. They've been beat on. You know what I mean? They have seen every spawn bag, jig, and bead, and plastic wiggler, the plug, or spinner. I mean, everybody's thrown stuff at them, and they're pretty educated. And during that drop-back phase, man, I mean, they'll they'll hit anything. And that's actually kind of a lot of people target them at that time. Is that correct? Oh, absolutely, because yeah. they're easier to catch, mm-hmm. you know. Um and they move up higher in the water column during the drop back phase. Oh, okay. Um, sometimes they're is two, like two feet off the bottom, just mm-hmm. hovering there looking for anything that they can munch on because at that point it's time to refuel. Because again, you know, some of these fish don't feed at all all winter long. Now, do you have uh, crossover fisheries where there's salmon and steelhead in the river at the same time in the Great Lakes? We do, yeah, in the fall. In, up, up north when we get the salmon runs, the steelhead will come in behind the salmon, and they're feasting on those eggs, right? Yeah. So that's another great time to uh, catch steelhead. What about beads? Uh, bead sizes and soft or hard colors, modeled and not, what, it, what do you like? Yeah, so well, that's a tough question because, I mean, if you looked at my bead collection, I mean, I don't even know how many different colored beads I have. It's yeah. kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. I mean, beads, especially hard beads, they're very durable. They last a long time unless you get hung up and you break them off. Uh, you can collect a lot of beads. Um, what I'm excited about in the Great Lakes is I finally have people understanding that a larger profile size can catch them more fish. See, back in the day, we were fishing size 6, 8, and a 10. That's kind of like the largest bead we would ever do. And now guys are fishing, you know, 12s, 14s, and 16s. But the um, as far as the soft bead goes, I like soft beads too because the fish have a tendency, rather than to bite and spit, they kind of bite and hold on to it for just a little bit longer because it's soft. You know what I mean? Yeah. But um, they all have their place. They all have a different tumble rate. And it all depends on the ambient conditions, your river conditions, how clear the water is, how bright of the sun, sunlight is, um, you know. Um, and, and the type of water, you know, um, it just depends. Now, are you a scent guy when it comes to steelhead? Oh, hands down. You know, this is what kills me. Let's just get this out. You know, people go, oh, it's a commercial. No, it's not a commercial. Let's look at the facts, okay? These salmon and steelhead can smell at parts per billion, right? So these fish use their nose 
to navigate in the ocean and the Great Lakes. They use their nose to find food. They use their nose to avoid danger. But mysteriously, once they get into a river, they no longer use their nose. Are you kidding me? And what's beautiful, because I love Procure, Procure and I, I just, they make the best products hands down. And what I like to do is by using scent, right? What happens is when you get to your float in that water, right? And you got it going down that bubble line, that fish could be 20 yards away. He's going to smell that scent trail before your bait even gets there. They lock onto it. So there's days that scent makes all the difference. And this is what kills me. I come out to the West Coast and fish. The West Coast crowd gets it. They get it. When you walk into a retail store and you see two aisles from the floor to the top shelf on both sides with nothing but different scent products and cures, you go, wow, they get it, you know? And in the Great Lakes, very few guys use scent. And I, you know what? If you don't want to use it, that's fine. It's just more fish for me. But yes, I use scent a lot Can on you, everything. You got any favorites you can share? Uh, my favorite, hands down, if you're trying to nail me down, because there's certain days that certain scents seem to work better. Mm-hmm. But, man, I love the steelhead combo. Oh, yeah. Here. That's that's one that I use out here on that the That one's Coast. got, like, the kitchen sink in it. I don't mm-hmm. know. I can't remember everything that's in it. But, hands down, the steelhead combo is my favorite. Well, it definitely works out here on the summer steelhead. I've used it a lot, yeah, for sure. So, for sure. well, you're kind of an ambassador of of kind of taking techniques from both areas and mixing them together. Um, what would you say that the Great Lakes has an advantage over uh, the Northwest End as far as techniques and baits? Wow, you're trying to get me in trouble, aren't you? I am. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I, here's what I'll say, and I'll say this. I think where the Great Lakes shines, as far as presentation goes, mm-hmm. is finesse techniques. Yes. And there's several dudes, I'm not mentioning any names, but folks out here on the West Coast that are now implementing finesse techniques out here and they're catching fish and i would tell my friends on the west coast uh consider more of a finesse technique yeah you guys go crazy with the shot patterns and all the stuff yeah well one of the things that i think uh you know that i would tell people to look at is stop looking at pound test and look at line diameters so we have so many great fluorocarbons today that are a small diameter. And I get it. you got big, powerful fish. But, hey, you can get 15 and 16 and 17 and 20-pound test floral if you need it in a smaller diameter. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, this it is... Can, you, it, it, smaller diameter line, I don't care where you're at, east or west coast, equals more bites especially on overfished fish, period. Now, how about when a Great Lakes steelhead has just came out of the lake and into the river? Are they less line shy? They are less line shy, and they feed. But the longer they're in the river, you know, the less they're going to feed. 
period. Well, this is all great stuff, Roger. Roger's going to have to get back to work. He's developing some new rod developments, um, which is interesting. I guess I can't give anything away. But, Roger, <laughs> would you like to tell us anything that you've been working on lately that might be coming from Lamaglass? Anything you can say? Yeah, uh, I think our newest, I mean, we've got, we've got a lot of great things in the works that I cannot say, but the one thing I will tell you that we're working on, uh, that I'm working on this week, is a noodle rod. Uh, that's you know it's going to be a 10-foot noodle rod and it'll it'll be really good for uh, folks in New York and Pennsylvania and Ohio that fish for the smaller steelhead. What's the point of the noodle rod? To run super light leaders I mean some of those cats are going down to two to four pound leaders. Wow is that is that really necessary? Well when you're fishing for overfished fish I mean because Fish have memories, you know, people don't understand that fish have memory spans. And, um, you know, if you're one of these people that catch a fish and release them, because, my God, I would have to say 70% or more of guys that catch steelhead release them. Yeah. You know what I mean? And um, they get educated. And, uh, and in the wintertime, that's why I love fishing in the winter, because the fish put on the brakes. They put on the brakes, they get into that slow, deep pool, and they just hang out there, mm-hmm. right? And so, because that's the thing, steelhead are always on the move. They're uh, nervous creatures. But once winter gets there and that water gets super, super cold, mm-hmm. they put on the brakes. And so what happens is you get into a hole, a run, they're just like any other run. If you got some steelhead guys on the river, they can literally you know, beat up on those fish and educate them. And it seems like you guys are fishing a lot of slow water there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we have some big rivers, some powerful rivers, uh, but we also have a lot of slower water too, which is perfect for the winter because that's what steelhead want. is super slow because they're slow. Yeah, and I guess that's why those really small jigs and finesse, I mean, they have a lot of time to look at that if it's heading their way. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, as always, it's great to talk with Roger Hinchcliffe. Roger not only works with Lama Glass, and I would highly recommend taking a look at the different models that he's put together. One of my personal favorites that I got to be a part of was The Closer. But name a couple other series that are out that you've had a hand in developing. Uh, the G1000 Pro, 11 foot 6. Um, the Redline, 10 foot 6. Spinning rod, all the center spins. The center spins, yeah. Yep. The 11.3, the 12 foot, the 13 foot, the closers, um, the battle glass, mm-hmm. you know, which is a new one. The new handles, uh, they'll be out this winter, uh, the new battle glass. Um, all of the walleye rods, I mean, we've, mm-hmm. we've just, uh, we've done a lot of work. Oh man, I, unfortunately, I was in the Columbia and I brought it along as a jigging rod and it flew out of the rod holder, the vertical rod holder. I don't know how it happened, but I lost my walleye closer rod and it you is did? an absolute shame. I loved the walleye closer rod, incredibly sensitive. In fact, Dave Harding from Dave's Tangle Free, even though it's a stiffer rod, he just uses it for trout because he loves the sensitivity so it, much. It, it truly is the lightest, most sensitive walleye jigging rod on planet Earth. It weighs four ounces. It is. An incredible rod. Walleye closer rod. 
I've caught summer steelhead on it, absolutely loved it. Yep. Caught loads of bass on it. I don't even walleye fish, but I love that. You know rod. what was really surprising is all of the super short models mm-hmm. of the walleye series, because uh, we got them in 5.6 and 5.8. What surprised us was the bass guys using those rods for skipping docks. Really? I never would have thunk it. So So. they like that shorter length for that. Yeah, and it's a stiff, powerful rod, you know. Yeah. Uh, It's designed for jigging, you know, in deep water, heavy jigs. You got to have power to set that hook. Well, hopefully I'll get another one of those in the future here. But again, thanks so much, Uh, folks. If you haven't already followed Roger on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube, it's called Steelhead Manifesto. All sorts of great content, big fish, some good tutorials on YouTube. Uh, You've got a big following, Roger. And uh, Roger is also, I think, um, the most well-traveled steelhead seminar giver in the country, probably. How many seminars do you do a year? Well, it depends so far in um, 2022, fall of 2022, in the spring of 2023. I have 25 seminars booked. And if you've never had a chance to go to one of these seminars, Roger has stuff that he won't even say here on the podcast. He's just got some, (laughs) he likes to keep some special information for those seminars. And it's a, it's, it's truly one of the most informative uh, seminars that I've ever been to by far. And I would highly recommend you take a look. Thanks again, Roger, for being here on the Salmon Trout Steelheader podcast. Thank you. I appreciate it, guys. Give this a like, a comment, and tell your friends about it, please. We love having you guys tune in and looking forward to talking to Roger more in the future. But we're going to go into the factory and check out some rods. Take care.